Hi everyone, welcome to the Equip and Elevate podcast. This is a place where we want to help women to cultivate the courage to own their purpose, own their journeys and own their success. I'm your host, Ayanda Vanna, and each episode I'll be bringing you conversations with some dynamic and bold women. My goal is that through inspired conversations, you'll gain a new perspective and tools to thrive in your personal journeys, businesses and careers, and most importantly, to live a life of purpose and passion. Thank you so much for pushing play today, and now let's begin. This episode is brought to you by Salal. We've partnered with Salal for the next three episodes to bring you conversations that cover themes around mental health as part of Mental Health Awareness Month. Salal's vision is for every Salal user to experience true wellness because good health is the ultimate wealth. What excites us about this partnership is creating a safe and important space to talk about mental health and wellness. We hope that for the next three episodes, you'll learn from our guests on how they navigate their mental health and well-being their respective journeys. Hi everyone, welcome to Equip and Elevate. Today's episode is brought to you by Salal and we are live at the Catalyst Hotel. I'm excited about our guest today. You guys probably know her. Um, She is such a force. She's such a fire. I remember when I first saw her, I'm like, one day my daughter is going to be like this. Um, (laughs) I hope I raise daughters like this. I'm really excited to talk to her. We have Zuleika Patel. We're going to be speaking about all things from her journey. We're going to be speaking about how she takes care of herself. And I really want to go deeper with her. I want to go deeper and say, how do activists in this space take care of themselves? We want to focus on how we can prioritize mental health while champion social change. That is the topic for today. So welcome to Equip and Elevate. We are so excited to have you and are honored to have you. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be on the on the podcast. Yay, I think maybe one of the things I love to start with is going back to the three key values that have shaped you growing up. Like you can focus on three principles that you can say growing up, these were the three key values that have shaped me on my journey. I think that um, in terms of growing up, like the three key values that shaped me was that... Um, well, it's, these are, I wouldn't say they're values, but they're just the things that I really always um, emphasize doing in my life, in my work. These are the three things I take with me in every facet of my life, you know, work, friendships, everything, you know, is um, one of the things my dad taught me is um, if you're kind, you know, and um, if you're going to be a kind person you're going to attract you're going to attract back good mm. energy and you're going to attract goodness to come to you yeah. so all the things that you want you're manifesting you know you have to have the energy first the energy of goodness kindness before those things come to you you know and then also just a way of treating people you know cuz the work that i do is very centered around um people you know in my activism i'm always with people and um the second thing was that um it was always emphasized that you can't push someone that's down even further down you know Mm -hmm. so especially in my activism like i'm very deliberate about certain things like um number one i always say to anyone that wants to work with me you know if you're going to take me to speak to people you know you can't say you are going to empower them 
No, you can't do that. Sure. People must feel empowered wow. and empower themselves through the feeling of feeling empowered. So you must be able to give them a feeling of feeling empowered, you know? And um, I'm always very deliberate about... Um, about not treating people in a peasant kind of manner, you know, mm. like uh, I've always said, you know, um, always respect the poorest of the poorest people, you know, you can't treat people like peasants, you know, like um, this is a very, this is an example that's like just so typical, you know, like how in some, in some countries, right, that are poverty stricken, mm. right, when there's the funds that come and donate resources to those countries, it's thrown from like a helicopter, you know, it's almost like treating people like peasants, you know? Mm. So those yeah. are things that I've never like really clicked well with, you know, and I'll never be part of because of that one value that you can't push someone that's down further down. Mm. Right. And then one of the most important, 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 important things that I've learned from both my parents, right. My dad and my mom, right. Is that, Never let anyone make your energy or try and shrink your character and shrink your energy ever, you know? And this is something I've experienced all the time. I'm very young, like I'm 20 this year. And in every room that I've been in, you know, um, I've always been the youngest, you know? And yeah, people will make fun of me, you know? The colleagues I've worked with will make fun of me, you know? And sometimes I'll come across people that try and shrink me in order to make themselves better or feel better about themselves, you know? So that's something that I've definitely always carried with me is that, and everyone knows this about me, all my friends know about me, in order to be on my bad side, try and make me feel small, you're automatically on my bad side. Yeah. So never ever let anyone shrink your character or shrink you. Yeah. So, and that's something that I've encountered so many times, you know? And I think it's testament of your journey, all the principles that you've mentioned. I mean, kindness, I think I've ex experienced you walking in. I think I was just like drawn to you as when we were, you know, getting ready for the episode. But I think the other two are just testament of the work that you're doing, a testament of just always trying to, you know, being an activist, social justice, anti-racism. Those are things of about how do we... I wouldn't say lift up people, but it's an it's sort of the opposite of shrinking down people, but sort of lifting or mm -hmm. rising above what society or people say um, more than anything. So I think that even even seen through your work and what you're doing outside your principles growing up. Um, so I think maybe you know this is something that's wanted to I wanted to say should we go into a journey? And I'm like you know I've you know there's so much we we I think when you came into the scene, everyone was talking about you and everyone was talking about the work that you and other um, learners were doing at that time. So I was just like, let's not go into, uh, into detail with that. But I wanted to always, I'm always curious with the work we do as people. I mean, I'm a very mm. multi-passionate person. And if someone had to say to me, summarize your work in one line, I'm like, shucks, how do I summarize <laughs> my work into one line? How would you summarize your activism into one line? <laughs> Ooh, one line that's tricky um but how i would summarize my activism is that um i think that my activism is very centered around identity you know and and inclusivity not diversity inclusivity and it's also centered around us being able to be who we want to be 
wherever we want to be mm. in whichever spaces in an education environment in a corporate workspace you being allowed to exist the way you want to like naturally as a black girl as a black woman you know with um afro textured hair you know being able to exist um in every space that you occupy the way you want to you know because even when i even when i do motivational talks i'm very very deliberate about you know you need to occupy spaces as who you want to be yeah. you know you can't change to the and want to change to accommodate the space that you're in mm. you know so for instance i've seen that some people try to be less feminine when they work with um in in environments that are male dominated you know and i always say to people that you can't do that you know you need to occupy your spaces as, as you, you are yeah. you know like i don't know how many times people not people but rather male activists that happen to be older than me you know um happen to be older than me happen to have the background of being in student politics with SRC presidents of this you know always come to me and try and shrink me and actually also try to take away from what i've done mm. and what i've been able to accomplish because of how feminine i am sure. right like me being very feminine like wearing pink a lot yeah. you know um always having my nails done you know taking away um from my work because of my character you know and that's not something that i've always allowed you know which is why even in my activism i always make it deliberate that you have to be who you want to be in all the spaces that you occupy mm, because good. that in its own is activism mm. you're allowing for other people mm. to be who they want to be sure. as well you know yeah. so yeah as much as my activism branches into a lot of things like youth development anti-racism you know social justice but the core value in my activism is really speaking to identity that, that you have to occupy all your spaces and in your work in the very work that you do be exactly who you want to be you know mm. and not have to change who you are to accommodate that space you mm. know for instance going into the former white institutions having to having to um having to accommodate to the comfortability of whiteness and white culture you know that's how i came into the picture through my activism the mm. refusal to to doing that even in my book you know my book um teaching young black girls you know to love their hair you know and understand that their hair is more than just hair you know especially in an african context because in our pre-colonial history you know hair symbolized so much more than just hair and how it's styled you yeah. know it meant more it meant who you are your tribe you know um your status in society so really allowing and empowering people to be who they want to be in all the spaces they occupy. Hmm. I love that. I love what you said that you showing up as you is activism on its own. I think sometimes people think that you need to be out there or mm -hmm. you if you're not out there you're not an activist, but actually you choosing to wake up and be in a space that says you're not welcome and you're choosing to be yourself. That's mm -hmm. you being an activist in that moment and that for me is really powerful for anyone listening out there thinking I'm not an activist. I'm like you choosing that you actually are, mm -hmm. you know. And what would you say is your purpose? What drives your life when you wake up and say 
this is my purpose and this is what drives my life. When I make decisions, when I make things, this is what fuels me. I think what drives my, and I don't want to sound cliche because I say this a lot, but it's really true. This, the main thing that drives my life, that drives my, you know, when I lose motivation, I think about this thing and I'm like, oh, no, 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 I have to stay motivated because this is my goal, you know? The main thing that drives my life and really has been able to sustain the work that I do for like this long, you know, and even push it into branching into other things like publishing my own book, you know, Mm. is that there's a certain vision that I have for the kind of world that I want to live in because I've experienced so much of being excluded and so much of being, you know, pushed out Mm. that I don't want that for anyone else, you know, mm. and that exists so much in the different structures that make our society, you know, the exclusion of other people, you know, and I've for so long in my life really been the other, you know, that everyone just wants to push out that almost like those experiences and the trauma attached to those experiences is almost like a driving force that pushes me to do what I want to do and pushes me to do everything that I'm doing to like build a more inclusive world, like a just society, you know, um, it really, really drives me as cliche as it is. Mm. It really drives me like when I'm not going to lie, when I feel very demotivated, you know, and I really do not cause not everyone feels motivated. I can't think of a person yeah. in this world that feels motivated every day. And is like, yay, it's a Monday, I'm doing this. you know? Yeah. No, like, you know, sometimes you wake up and you're just like, why me? Why? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. why, why me? Mm. You know? Um, I really think about um, some of my experiences and I'm like, you know, because I experienced that thing, this is why I'm going to go mm. and do this. So that another person doesn't have to experience it. Yeah. Because I got bullied so much in my life as a child that it really like I always say to people no one taught me how to be an activist you know like she asked me when she was doing my makeup do you have a mentor and I was like I've never had a mentor in my life yeah I've never asked anyone to be my mentor I've I can't even pinpoint a moment in time where I literally approached someone like a huge person and I was like please be my mentor you know please teach me how to do I've never been taught by anyone how to do the things I do you know I've just learned along doing them you know Mm -hmm. that the main thing that really also just shaped me and taught me how to do these things is my experiences, you know, like I, I got sure. bullied a lot and I always, I feel like I used to not really think how significantly that shaped my life and shaped the trajectory of how my life was going to continue. But it really did, you know, like um, from Critch even, you know, I got made fun of, you know, because everyone saw me as the other, you know, um, we don't live in a world that's like in the, in the, for instance, in the country, we know that our country is very deeply, deeply racist and we don't live in a world that's welcoming, you know, of people that have a hair texture that is curly, coily. We don't live in a world that welcomes, that welcomes people born from interracial, interracial families we don't live in a in a south africa that welcomes people born from interracial um 
families especially if you're not half white you know mm. it's almost like sometimes it's a bit easier when you're half white because that's the mixed race everyone is comfortable mm. with you know that's the one that's okay but when you're born from like my like example when you know your father is an immigrant from india and your mom is black and derele and you know there's like it's not like racism it's like almost like anti-blackness where you know i got bullied a lot you know especially um not fitting in with both my sides mm. of my family you know like i obviously like my entire life i was never indian enough you know and i made peace with it from a young age but i think that the bullying that came with that especially when i interacted with like some communities where um for instance, they've only grown up around Indian people that look certain way and, you know, they've only grown up around light-skinned Indian people and, like, the minute my father brought me into interacting with mm. people in those communities, it was almost like, it's like, who is this? Mm. Why is her hair like that? Why is she darker than you? Like, you know, it was almost like I would be treated, like, as the other, almost like as some experiment that's you know, giving you the unexpected and, you know, it's not usual. So those experiences of being bullied, as much as they gave me a lot of trauma, you know, also really motivated me to do what I what I do, you know, because also there was like a lot of trauma that came with, you know, not necessarily fitting in. Like, for instance, there's some trauma that comes with the side that you think is the side you're going to fit in with. Yeah. You don't necessarily fit in with sure. because you're like not black enough now mm. you know like your lights in completion like for for instance you know like and it still happens till today you know like whenever i visit my granny in Bumalanga, you know and everyone sees me and they'll still you know from time to time make fun of me call me a white person you know mm. um or you know like, there's that sense of not fully fitting in. And those experiences really, really motivated me because I would think about how, like, I really, like, want a world where it's okay to be a person like me. And it's okay, even if you're not a person like me, but, you know, you don't fit in because your hair, your hair is coiled too tightly or your curls aren't as soft as how um, texturism says they should it's okay, you know, mm. to be that person. So uh, those experiences really, really, really motivated me to be an activist and want to create an inclusive world, you know. And especially when I interact with people that are usually left out and when I interact with issues where it's not an identical issue to the issue I grew up with, but the cause of the issue is identical. Like, for example, when I interact with, like, issues of youth development and um, including the youth in certain spaces, it becomes very, like, close to my heart because it's like, you know, I know that feeling of not being included mm. and being excluded, you know. So that then is, like, the driving force, you know. When I feel demotivated and I'm like, you know, I, I don't know why God chose me. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, this is a lot for me. I'm feeling overwhelmed. And then I think about it and I'm like, you know, there's a reason why I'm this person, you know, and those experiences really then drive me to be like, okay, no, you know what? Never mind. I know why God chose me. Yeah. I know why I have to go and do this, you know? Yeah. yeah. I love that. And I think, you know, 
with bullying, you know, it, I, a lot of young people go through that. What would you say? Um, and I, and I, more than anything, I love how you've used your experience to find ways on how you can bring out the, how do I make anyone in this kind of situation not go through this? But for anyone that's in that situation and feeling like, oh my goodness, I'm being bullied. I feel like maybe I'm depressed now or all the different things that go through someone who's being bullied, especially a young person. Let's mm -hmm. imagine you at 12, 14, what would you say? Or even in university. Even in university, happens. even in the workplace. Listen, yeah. if I could share some of my stories, not in my current job, guys, but, you know, even the workplace, it never stops. What would you say someone in that kind of space to say if they are being bullied, what kind of, like, what word would you give for them to get by? Or even not even to get by, just any word you'd want to share with them. Okay, so when I was being bullied, I went to therapy right um but one thing that i learned is that um there's a reason why people bully you right that's true um there's a reason and most of the time the, re the reason is the person that bullies you is bullying you because of a particular thing that's missing in them yeah that they're trying to fill that void through trying to make someone smaller to feel good about themselves it's like how i mentioned how when i've interacted with like male activists that are older than me you know um, and, you know, they come with that um, experience of, you know, I've been in SRC president and this year I was this, I was this, I was this. Who am I to, you know, come take and listen to a tiny petite girl like you? You know, there's a reason why people make you feel small in order to feel good about themselves. That's what I've learned. People will try when you're not secure with who you are. You're going to try and make someone else feel small and shrink them and bully them mm. so that you can then use that against them to feel good about yourself and the only way to retaliate is to then not allow to be um shrinked at all you know and really like i don't think there's a, a way that you can actually just um stand up for yourself in terms of making them stop bullying you but you can stand up for yourself by then not allowing for them to take your confidence mm. away and not allowing for them to shrink you and make you feel small and go into the small hole and corner mm. where you continue doing what you do and you do it even better and exactly. continue being you and mm. you know and you don't allow for them to take away from your character you know mm. and you just continue to empower yourself and work on your character so that you feel good about yourself so that what they're doing doesn't affect you mm. you know yeah, I love that. Love that. I think continue to be you. And what you said at the beginning, there's a reason why they are bullying you. They are seeing something. And I found that, that you know, a lot of the times, like there is some fire, there's a spark. Imagine if you at 10, you at 7, you allowed, you're not even allowed, I wouldn't use allow because it's such a, a loose word, but imagine if that broke you to a point where you couldn't be who you are today, you know? And I, it, it's always like, there's something that people see in you, but mm -hmm. they can quite, and it's also like they quite can't understand what that thing is at that stage. Because I mean, each old doesn't know. They like just know you're different, and you being different is like, what is this? You this person being different, but I think sometimes in in us really stepping into who we are as people, but that allowing that moment to define you, and allowing people to define you, define your journey. That's where we stop. You know, yeah. And it's not an easy journey because not everyone is privy to sort of coming to that realization. But I think it's very important to know that 
not allowing people to define your journey, define who you are. If you're in corporate, I mean, I have people listening to corporate right now, people in business, people in university, that if you are in that kind of space, do not let people Mm. define your journey, define your character, because you've got so much to offer. There's a reason why someone is picking on you. And not to say it's okay, but there's so much fire. Don't let that Mm. fire burn because of that. So this is something that I've just, I thought, you know, you know, I look at you, I look at your mm-hmm. journey, I think it's amazing. And, you know, I also think about your heart. I'm like, I hope you're taking care of yourself. <laughs> I don't know, I think I almost assumed the biggest sister role when I walked into the room. Um, but, you know, in our journeys, obviously, there are lessons we learned, right? And some of the lessons we learned from failure or some lessons we learned from moments where we do well, you know, success. What was your biggest failure on your journey that has prepared you for where you are right now and what lessons did you learn along that you know I wouldn't say it's like a failure but it's a mistake that I made like the biggest mistake that I made and um it's really taught me how to continue working you know I think the biggest mistake that I made and I was warned about this Mm. a couple of times but it went into my other ear and came out my other ear is that I'm trying to find a way to word it, is that you have to also, when you interact a lot with the public eye and, you know, you're doing all these speaking engagements, you know, schedule is busy, you know, it's jam-packed, you know, and um, and essentially, you know, when you do, in, in general, as human beings, when we do good in something, you know, we want to do it again even better, you know, because mm. it makes us feel good as humans in general when yeah. you've done something so well. It, the feeling afterwards, it makes you feel so good, you know, was that the mistake I made was that I took the work that I do and I made the mistake of allowing that to be at the center of my life where that was the thing that then made me feel good about myself. Sure. Where all these speaking engagements I was doing, yeah, I was nailing them. I was on point, you know, go do an interview afterwards, go sit with someone discuss things you know go sit with someone important in with a governance or policy making and they pick my brain on something i said you know and i feel good about myself afterwards and i'm like yeah i did a good job you know Mm -hmm. and i made that become the thing that made me feel good about myself you know and that started when um also because i started doing my work so young that started when i was in high school maybe that's why i made that mistake because of how young i was you know and i wasn't used to you know the kind of attention I was getting and you know and I made that mistake and it essentially then became a thing of I needed to do work in order to feel good about myself I needed to have a speaking engagement to feel good about myself Mm. I needed to have a a thing that I'm doing now there had to be some action happening in my life in order for me to feel good about myself in order for me to to feel that my life is is lifing like Mm. it's happening you know and I think also that mistake was made because I was also quite lonely mm. um, in high school as well because I almost became quite isolated because what this experience also made, what this experience also caused was it caused for me to grow up quite early like yes. and mature a lot psychologically, you know? And it also like just, there's like, being in the public eye from a young age, you know, especially with a lot of attention where now you're like 
a role model for people, you know, and you didn't sign up for that, you know. It almost makes you live your life in a certain way and, like, there's certain boundaries now to your life. So much changes and so much... When so much changes, there's so much isolation that comes with Mm. that change, you know. I never, ever lived a normal life from the time I was 13, you know. And I was quite lonely, you know. And the mistake I made was I killed loneliness with work, you Mm. know. And, you know, the speaking engagements and, you know, um... Yeah, and everyone that went to high school with me knew I was getting picked up early at two the minute the bell rang because I was going to some events and, you know, um, and yeah, I was killing loneliness with work and I was also um, also just the feeling that came out of doing that work made me feel really good about myself. Sure. That, that then became the thing that now makes me feel good about myself. There's nothing else. So when I'm sitting alone... I can't stand sitting alone. There has to be something happening. Like, and then there came a time where someone warned me and they're like, and, you know, this person, you know, they walked quite a similar journey, you know, and they warned me and they're like, I can see what you're doing. I can see what you're doing. It's going to backfire, you mm. know? And I was like, no, what is this lady saying? Rolled my eyes, you know, <laughs> behind the screen of the phone when she sent me that message. I can see what you're doing. It's going to backfire. And there came a time where it did backfire, you know, where what then happens when I'm alone? Mm. What then happens when um, I'm not this person for people? What then happens when I don't have a speaking engagement to go to? Mm. What then happens when my schedule is not busy? Who am I then? What makes me feel good about myself then? Am I just going to go into a hole and be depressed, Mm. you know? What then happens when life gets quiet, you know, where I'm not going somewhere? I'm not speaking to people. I'm not in someone's face or anything like that. What then happens, you know? And that's when I learned from that mistake that I made, mm-hmm. you know? And I made that mistake for, like, quite a long time. Maybe for, like, three years I made that mistake. All till it came crumbling down when, like, my mental health came crumbling down. Because sure. then when nothing is happening, what is happening with you, mm-hmm. you know? And that's when I learned that... um you know, like that was like the worst mistake I made with my life, you know. And if I could go back, I would def- mm. def- do th- things differently. But I also don't blame myself for making that mistake because I know what was the cause of making that mistake, yeah. you know. But that, I have to say, was the worst mistake that I learned from, you know, when my mental health came crumbling down, you mm. know. And when I had to then learn to be alone, I had to then learn to you know discover myself outside of the work discover how to make myself feel good as a normal human being Mm. you know um learn to be alone as well learn to also still feel good about myself even when nothing is happening you know Salal knows that an increasing number of people are adopting holistic wellness lifestyle and seeking alternative solutions that go beyond what conventional pharmaceutical medicines can offer. Salal's range of mind and body nutraceuticals products range from products that can help you with a healthy mood balance, sleep stress, burnout and anxiety. Salal's brand is widely prescribed by medical doctors and recommended by pharmacists. Remember to check out their website, so check out their products. The link is available in the description. 
so that has to be the worst mistake i've made so i mean it's it's such a um for you to have learned that at you know at such a young age because some people it takes forever you know you'll find that some people in their 40s are still learning that where they they define by their work you know they find mm. identity in their work yeah and you know and you find identity in your work when I mean, I've, I've made this mistake. That's why I'm like relating with you. When, when someone tells you that this work is bad, you feel like your world is crumbling. You feel yeah. like everything around you is falling apart because you've placed so much identity in this piece of work. And now this person who's meant to approve it and say it's brilliant, it's telling you that this work is um, not amazing. Then you sit there in this hole of like, am I good enough? Can I do this? And this has a no reflection of you as a person, mm -hmm. but has a reflection on the work that you're putting out or reflection on what you did specifically. It might be a small fraction. And then you internalize that. And this is my experience about how I also found, there's a point where I did find so much identity in my work. And I remember when someone would tell me, um, as I said, like something like this work is not good or change this, even change this. Ayanda, 80% of this is brilliant. 20% mm. is not good. I'll lose that. I'll be like, oh my goodness. Am I, am I meant so to be? So much anxiety. So much anxiety. Now I'm citing scriptures to tell me I am meant for this. I am meant to be here. And I'm just like thinking, that's because I've placed so much identity mm. in something that I shouldn't place identity in. You know, It's a reflection of, or it's, it's an avenue for my purpose to flow out, but it's yeah. not the way, the only way that defines who I am as a person. So that's a really, I mean, the fact that you, you figured this out now. No, I just also feel like things have happened so fast. Yeah. So many things happening mm. that like, I just ended up getting so many experiences in like this like past seven years of me being um, an activist, me being in the public eye because so many things were happening so quickly and in that space of so many things happening so quickly there's so much that like i'm discovering and so much that's happening and i'm like okay whoa hmm. whoa whoa you know so yeah like i did that for like three years and then it came crumbling down hmm. and then i had to learn and i'm still learning now i had to learn you know to to separate myself Sure. from the work yes. i am not the work the yes. work is the work on its yes, own i love that you know so and you know i also realized that there's like sometimes also a certain pressure that comes with it especially depending on what you do and where you are mm. in certain spaces it's like it forces you to be the work or be in sync with the work you mm. know like for instance sometimes people that get to know me outside of the work that i do you know some people that I work with and they get to know me outside of the work that I do, you know. Um, for instance, I once went to a speaking engagement and, you know, the person that, um, let me say, booked me for that speaking engagement has known me for a few years, you know, because um, I did a speaking engagement with them last year. I've done a couple with them, you know, and they're quite familiar with me. So after the speaking engagement, you know, um, I was waiting for my friend who went to the event with me. She went to the bathroom. And then I went into my awkward, awkward zone and I was just so quiet and I was like sitting there and I didn't know what to do with my hands and I'm quiet and I just had that awkward smile on my face and I'm like, <laughs> you know, and then he asked me, he's like to me, and then, and I'm like, no, I'm just this person. I'm like very introverted and, um, I'm a bit awkward, you know, and then he was like, so you can speak so well on stage, not have any stage fright, speak like, and not like prolong your speaking you know whilst you're speaking and then come out and be this 
awkward person and i'm like yeah because i'm not the work yeah you know? i love that i'm not the work yeah. you know? and sometimes people in the space that you're in will sometimes force you to be the work that you're doing mm. because they'll try to put that pressure on you you know you're this you can't do that you're this this is how your personality should be and when in actual fact you know like how is it to people you know we always make this joke with my friends you know and they always say to me they always like to me you know if people knew the real you, if people knew the real you, like, they would be so shocked. It was like, if all the people that see you as this activist, then they're like, yeah, you know, if they knew the real you, they'd be so shocked, you know? Like, I'm just like an awkward person, introverted, mm. but not introverted with the people I'm comfortable with, mm. you know? Completely different to the work that I do. And... You know, I'm still learning to be comfortable with that because I think that there was a lot of pressure over the years in terms of how I should shape my personality, mm. in terms of what I should do, the kind of people I should associate with, you know. There was a lot of pressure, you know, that, you know, as an activist of the stature, this is how you should be. This is how your personality should be. These are the kind of hobbies you should have. These are the kind of things you should do for sure. fun. Where I'm like, you know what? I'm not the kind of person that's going to go and listen to it live jazz band and that's okay you know and you guys must accept me for who i am because at the end of the day i'm doing the work quite well that i i'm I'm doing Mm -hmm. and i don't need to be the work you know and it took a lot for me to get to this point where i'm able to separate myself and be okay with who i am as just zuleika not the zuleika patel that the world knows Mm -hmm. you know and the one that's in my workspaces, you know, it took a lot for me to be comfortable with that because there was always like a lot of outside pressure that, you know, if you're this, you mm. cannot do this. If you're this, you cannot be seen doing this. If you're this, you know, you need to always, you know, like for instance, small things like how some people would try to put that pressure on me that, you know, as a young person, you're not a normally young person. You're someone who's a role model for people. You're someone who should behave like this. You're someone who... You know, you have stature, you must carry the you must carry yourself in this way. And I'm like, you know, it's really okay for me to be a normal young person that wants yeah. to have fun with their life yes. and discover, you know, and do what every other young person is doing without feeling the guilt and the shame and feeling like, you know, I can't do this because of who I am, you know, and be okay with that, you know. So it took a lot for me to get to this point and it's still like a work in progress because you know you'll encounter some people that will make you try feel guilty for who you are you know Mm. and um they'll try in a way take away that essence of you working on separating yourself from the work you know so yeah sure that's so i love that i think when you that reminder that you are not your work that's so important for a lot of us who Mm. sometimes can get lost in that and it's also as you said so it's a work in progress you know and I think sometimes we want to arrive at destinations to say I've got it I understand it it's always each season comes with a new challenge each each season comes with a new way of dealing with things and allowing yourself to evolve allowing yourself to deal with that season also allows you to be in a place of I'm always working on how I can Mm be in a position where this is not doesn't define me or I do not mm. find identity in that. Um, so I think maybe one of the things that you touched on was really around um, sort of mental health. You know, one of the things that's prevalent within activism, activism space is burnout and depression. You know, I can just imagine being in a space where you're trying to champion change or social justice and change is not happening that it's not happening quick enough. You're like sitting there, we're like, but we've been at this for five years and it's still the same. 
um, still the same thing. I can already imagine maybe sometimes being hopeless, you know, or like thinking that like the pressure or the pressure or the different things that come with sort of the work you do. Mm-hmm. How have you navigated around sort of the burnout or depression or just mental health in this space? Because it is a prevalent thing, you know, and especially when you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling the different pressures that come with, you know, the yeah. expectation from people, you should be this way and not having to be someone that you're not or maybe policymakers are taking forever or the world is taking forever to change. Mm-hmm. How have you navigated around making sure that when something as prevalent as sort of burnout and depression is common within the space, how have you dealt with that or how you've navigated around that? Because I'll make an example in corporate, you know, when I was in a, in a law firm, one of the things that people would struggle with is burnout. And I think also in, in corporate, people glorify like burnout, you know. So how have you navigated around having to deal with a space where that's like two prevalent issues and having to put a way of saying this is how I prioritize my mental health? Yeah. You know, I was like really young when I entered the space and like I always interacted with people that would glorify burnouts. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you're not doing enough if you, if you like get to sleep at night, you know. And people that would glorify burnouts and, you know, and it took a while for me to like actually be able to like step back and understand that um, if you're just in terms of your health and just your own being, you're not functioning well, you're not going to perform in the work that you're doing and mm-hmm. you're not going to function well in the work that you're doing, you know. So it took a while for me to realize that because there was a lot of guilt that came with even just getting proper eight hours of sleep Mm. like it was like like i'd feel guilty like you know people are gonna say i'm not doing enough Mm. you know like like it was a lot of guilt you know so for me um i actually um also just talking about the whole mental health thing i think that sometimes in these spaces the depression that you get it doesn't show up as being sad Mm. most of the times like being sad and feeling down it shows up in how you treat yourself as well you know mm-hmm. it like shows up also in how you how you like um how you also interact with other people because one thing that i've learned right when i started going to therapy was that i learned that and i realized a lot of people around me that are in the space actually are functioning with high functioning anxiety mm. you know because it shows up as the people pleasing yes the the, the forceful people oh, pleasing man. you know I'm sitting there thinking the guilt that comes with yeah. self care, you know, the anxiety that comes with in order to 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 meet what people expect of you, you know, and all that anxiety that plays out in your head. And I realized, you know, like a lot of people actually have high functioning anxiety in the space, and I was one of them, you know, like um, with all the people pleasing, the you know, other than people pleasing, the need to be this person for people all the time to always be available for this, this and that, you know? So it took a while for me to actually normalize self-care, you know? And not like the ones of self-care, like the realistic self-care of, you know, you, you need to get sleep, mm. you know? You need to be able to be at a point where your health as well is okay yeah. and your body is functioning properly, you know? And there's certain things you need to do in order to have yourself functioning properly like you know not like the self-care that we've been shown on social media like the one day go to like real self-care like you know you need to get sleep you really need to sleep yeah um you know things like you do need to pull out 
pull back one once in a while, you know, in order to um, give yourself space and um, in order for you to just um, also be able to have space from the work and being okay with that. It took a while for me to get to that point, you know. It took really a while, but I've gotten to a point whereby um, I really prioritize um, self-care, like in terms of getting sleep, especially because, um, yeah, I went through a, a phase where I had like the worst eye packs, like I had like headaches because of how much I was not sleeping, you know, or just getting like a 30 minute sleep or like one hour, yeah. you know, and I really wasn't functioning okay. I was not remembering things well, sure. you know, I learned through that experience of mm. burnouts, you know, that you need to put in certain measures, regardless of what people are going to say, in order to be able to do what you want to do mm. with passion as well, and not do it because, okay, I'm waking up and I have to go do this thing, and actually feel the passion to go do it, because the passion is only going to come from a place of if you're in a good place with your mental health and if your mental health is not in a good place there isn't going to be no passion whatsoever it's just going to be something you're doing because you have to do it yeah. and now it's just that routine of just waking up because you have to doing this because you have to it's not the passion of you want to do it, it becomes you know? like a tick but you're just ticking and ticking yeah things off the, the... so i had to learn that over time mm. you know when i realized that i wasn't functioning to my fullest because my body was like lacking you know mm. and i was lacking in sleep you know my health was now not in a great place because of how much sleep i'm not getting i'm getting headaches now you know i'm not eating right because i'm not sleeping well now i don't have proper appetite because now the the whole breakfast lunch dinner thing is messed up you yeah know? so i've really learned over time and i'm still learning that um you really need to prioritize um, your own wellness mm. first before anything else in life. Like that should be at the top of your priority list because in order for you to show up, you require a lot of your own wellness. Yes, yeah. I love that. And I think, you know, when you think about protecting your space, it's another thing which we'll move into. Um, so you are an author, mm. you're a speaker, you are an activist and you're also a student. A law student, guys. I studied law, so I know how that is. I just had to mention all of that. Now she's she's also an entrepreneur, guys, because she has the cool things that she's working on um, that I'm ex I won't say much about. So I'm also going to put that in her sort of list of things that she's working on right it's now. It's a work in progress. It's a work in progress, it's, yeah. Yeah. So... You know, I'm also a very multi-passionate person and it's not always easy to find the balance, right? Mm -hmm. How do you find, and we spoke about this earlier on, but I want to bring that conversation back here and say, how do you manage um, sort of the different roles and responsibilities that you have, sort of the different roles you're playing right now, and also having these passions, you know, sometimes people are like, just choose one thing. I'm like, I can't. How do I choose one thing, you know? How yeah. do you um, sort of find sort of that balance or navigate around managing the different things even using balance loosely loosely because you know we had a conversation but how do you manage the different things in your life i think that there won't be a perfect balance mm. like i don't think um there will ever be a sense of perfection of being able to manage it all and balance it all at the same time but for me right in order to come to the point i'm making i have to use myself as the example right 
in me doing all those things, right? All those things are interlinked mm. in one way or the other. You know, they're interlinked whereby the books that I'm like, okay, well, the book that I have out and the one that I'm currently writing now, mm. the content is linked to the content I speak on yeah. and the content of my activism. So it's like, it's all interlinked, yeah. right? My, and this is one of the reasons why I like really chose to study law was that it enhances my activism in a sense whereby, you know, I'm, before I speak on something, I understand the background policy of it and I'm mm-hmm. understanding the laws better and why they operate the way they were, they do and, you know, how mm-hmm. they function. And I understand those better, which betters my activism and betters the way that um, I would obviously speak on certain issues because there's now a background understanding of how we've gotten there or why that specific that specific thing is the way it is and why it functions like that, right? Mm. There's a background, a bit of a background understanding, you know? So I would almost say like the way I find balance is that all these things are interlinked. I never really see them as separate things, you Mm. know? Like in terms of, like I just said, my, when I speak, the content that I'm speaking on is the content that I write on is the content that's the content in my activism, you know? So it's almost so interlinked that it's, almost sort of simpler to navigate between the different things, you know? Mm. And for me, I would always say it's very important to know who you are at the core of all the work that you're doing, you know? And I think that people sort of sometimes miss that. That's why it becomes so difficult for them to navigate being multifaceted, um, not being a one-trick pony, Mm. and having the different titles and the different jobs. It almost becomes difficult sometimes, I've noticed, is because people don't focus on what is their core. Yeah. You know, what's the center? Why why is person X person X? Mm. You know, what are they really trying to do? Because for me, if you can understand that, and if you can understand that really well, you know, you're able to to um, navigate the different facets of your work. It would be simpler, you know, because then you're not going to look at it as different tasks Mm. right there's always going to be something in that one thing that comes back to that thing that always almost like links it and i feel like the people that i've seen on social media that are quite successful and are multifaceted people um i won't say their names you know but um when i see them and i look at all the things that they're doing you know i almost like see that there's one trend in all the things that they're doing and there's this one thing that's almost made all of these things be interlinked, you know? Mm. So I think that you need to understand that if you're a person that wants to like inspire people to live um to live better and you know, live um live a a life that's, you know, got wellness in it. If you're a person that really wants to focus on how people are living and empower people to live better, then that then needs to become your main core where mm-hmm. that then is at the core of all the things that you're doing, you know. So it's very important to really understand who you are very well mm-hmm. at the core because I think that a lot of the times we think that we understand our, ourselves, but we don't really understand ourselves to that extent yeah. where we know what's the why. Like, if someone had to ask, ask you why, you're able to answer why, you know. So, I think that really, really, there needs to be a firm understanding mm. in what's at your core 
to mm. be able to maneuver all the facets of your work. Yeah, I mean, yours, I mean, you were saying it's going back to, I may be wrong, you know, you're speaking about your purpose identity. Yeah. Um, and that's the core of sort of all you do. Um, and I think the law informs how that could be realized, if I may be Yeah, yeah, it does. Know. So I think that, as you say, is something that comes consistent in all the work you do and how you manage to, you know, when I sit there, I'm thinking law exams, speaking engagement, and how you find sort of that balance in everything. I think maybe just one of this is going back to protecting your space, you know, mm. which is very important. I've become someone who's very intentional about protecting my space. And I think as someone who's a, I'm a recovering people pleaser, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm very intentional about protecting my space um, and protecting my, my mental well-being, which is not always easy as someone who does multiple roles. Um, and just sort of finding that balance is not always the easiest, but I'm very intentional about how I take care of myself. How do you protect your space or protect your your well-being? Um, what are some of the ways you take care of your heart, your soul, your mind? And I think maybe just even tying back to that question, how do you renew your buckets? How do you refill, you know? Where yeah. do you go? Do you go to your mom and sit there and be like, mom, I just need to be renewed. You know, I just need to get a refill of bucket of wisdom. Why, where do you go for all of that? Because you give, you, you pour out so much. The reason why I'm asking this question because you pour out so much, you know, you give, you give, you give, you give, you give, whether you're speaking or whether you are, you know, in different spaces, but a lot of what you do requires you to give and pour out into people's lives, you know. Yeah. How do you feel that sort of to make sure you take care of yourself so that you can be in a space where you can continue to pour out into people's lives, to pour out into people's souls or hearts and, you know, the the work that really essentially you do in terms of like protecting my space and protecting my heart over time i've developed like a very thick skin so i think i now have like the ability whereby i don't really care what people are going to say about me mm. at all i don't know how i got to this point but i'm here now and i like it so i don't really actually like care you know and there's a lot of negativity you know that's out there in the world that comes back where people always want to spew negativity because the kind of world that we live in someone will always want to come and spew negativity onto your mm. life spew negativity onto the work that you're doing so for me other than having developed very thick skin that i don't care and like it's literally it's gonna come and go back like that mm. right um i've also just gotten to a point whereby like I'm able to really zone in and focus on what I'm doing, right? And focus on what exactly I want to accomplish with what I'm doing. So that then allows me to zone out the noise and the negativity, right, that comes. So I'm able to just focus, you know? But in terms of, like, how I pour into myself, I wouldn't say I have a specific thing that I do where I'm, like, I do this specific activity to mm. pour into myself. But um, for me, I've... I really find that um, being able to live a life whereby I have my life outside of the activism, I have my life outside of all the work that I do, right? And in that life, right, there's no one from anywhere in my work, you know, like the friends that I have, like the very small circle that I keep, the friends that I have, like, and this wasn't like a deliberate thing but it happened coincidentally and it's great mm. have are nowhere even 
in the space that I'm in, you know. So, like, we never, ever talk about anything work-related, ever. Mm. Maybe the one time we'll talk about something is if someone's asking me to go with them somewhere or, you know, or I'm asking someone to come with me somewhere. But otherwise, that's never a conversation, you know. And um, the people that I have in my personal life really push me to um, to really, really be very deliberate about having my own life outside of the work that I do. And that for me, I wouldn't even say there's a specific activity, just having my own life outside of the work that I do and being in control of my own life outside the work that I do has really allowed me to pull back into myself because then I'm able to be a carefree young person Mm. in that life, you know, without judgment and, you know, and it's just so calm and I'm doing things, I'm going places, I'm discovering new things, you know, and that then allows me to pull back into myself because then I have a safe space outside of the work that I do. Yeah. I wouldn't say there's like a specific activity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, in you saying you have got this safe space, what does a safe space look like for you? My safe space, um, looks like my close circle of people actually, because, Mm. um, they really do a lot in terms of like, um, not just motivating me, but just, um, brightening up my life in terms of like, making it you know even better because i'm with them most of the time and you know they're able to be the people that take me out of um and separate me from having the work life and having my personal life you know they're really the people that um are part of um other than me being the person that will then separate myself like now it's time for me to be in my personal life but they would also assist with that, you know. So in terms of how my safe space looks, it looks very peaceful. Mm, um, I love that. It's very peaceful. It's very <laughs> serene. It's almost like being. It's almost like being in a place where there's like a breeze that you feel. It's cool. It's a nice breeze yeah. that you feel. But at the same time, there's like all these um, fun stuff to discover, and mm. um, it just makes it so much more exciting, you know, because. In my safe space, without judgment, that's why my friends always say to me, we'll never judge you. We know who you really are outside oh. of your activism. And it's sure. okay. We prefer that you, mm. you know. So I'm able to be the real me without judgment, you know. Like, for example, people that know me as Zuleika Patel, the activist, would think I don't make mistakes, would think that my life is completely yeah. perfect without knowing that I have, like, meltdowns in my life where I'm like... As a young person, oh my gosh, my life, my life. <laughs> yeah. What is happening with my life? Yeah. You know, I need to, you know, like the typical meltdown that you have, you think my life, I really need to do X, Y, Z. X, Y, Z needs to be perfect, you know. Um, but I'm able to be who I really am yeah. in my um, personal life without judgment. So, yeah, like I... It's very peaceful and it's um that's what makes it so safe because mm. it's very peaceful mm. um and there's so much peace in you can me being you sort of can rest in that you know yeah. you can sort of rest in that space yeah. and from with that piece what you're saying i'm um, just in closing what was the best piece of advice given to you <laughs> in general this is not linked to just in general in general um in general there's so <laughs> there's so much that a lot of people have told me that I've like just packaged into one 
like almost like folder in my mind that I always think of. But I would say like maybe within the top three, right, would definitely um be at a time where someone noticed what I was doing, like the mistake that I was making with my life. And they told me, you are not the work. Yeah. You're not the work. You are not the work that you do at all, you know. Um, you are not the work that you do. And you have to be someone outside the work that you do. Or not even outside the work that you do. You have to define yourself, mm-hmm. you know. The work is just maybe like one facet of your life. But the main life is who you are. So you have to be able to define who are you? Because at the end of the day, if you don't know that, you're going to be very clueless in the work that you're doing. So the best piece of advice I've really gotten that's um, really been shaping my life um, is that I'm not the work that I do. So And it still continues to shape my life. Mm, yeah. I love that. I love that in closing. I think as because it was a very massive topic for us as and it's something that i related to mm-hmm. you and i think anyone that's out there that's something that you can take away to say that you are not defined by your work your identity is not your work um, and you're not your work and that's a good closing um, for anyone that's in that kind of situation so thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and i know we were going a different i think i wanted to hear more about just you you know mm-hmm. where your where's your safe space you know how do you create that safe mm-hmm. space? And I think for anyone that's listening to this, they'll be like, wow, there's a, you know, another dimension. And I think there's, just, there's so much dimensions to, <laughs> to you. Um, and I think you still have such a bright future ahead. I know you probably heard that. You're like, I know, I know. <laughs> no. uh, don't tell me things I know, <laughs> you know. And I really um, hope and pray to see that sort of blossom even more so and with all the work you're doing we spend so much time talking about i think before we started shooting we spent quite a good amount of time of yeah. talking about the work she's doing and i think guys i think we thought we've seen her at her peak she's still gonna do amazing stuff so thank you for sharing and also thank you for giving advice for anyone that's out there and that's listening saying shucks i've been stuck at that I've been stuck mm-hmm. at feeling lonely. I've been stuck at feeling I was bullied. Um, and this is how I can actually now navigate around some of these things. So thank you for being with us today. And and I hope everyone else is watching this. I hope you are all listening to this. You are equipped and elevated. Stay blessed. I hope you were equipped and elevated by today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you loved what you heard, please share with others and post about on social media. Remember to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram, Ayanda underscore Vanna, and on Twitter, Ayanda Vanna. See you in the next episode.